Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. of God's word is what brings light and that light is what shines out darkness and we're going to study keys to divine healing and one of the keys that I'm going to go deeper into further in this broadcast is that sickness is a form of darkness sickness is not in heaven sickness is not God's will for you here on the earth and we're going to study that in a, in a brief time uh, today however if people are going to get healed, you know, a lot of people, they ask me, they message me, they say, can you please pray that I'm healed? Can you pre please pray that God would heal me? And, you know, I have no problem praying and agreeing with you in prayer. However, a better thing to ask, a better thing to, um, to, to, to say would be, Lord, would you teach me scripture? Would you teach me what is necessary for my understanding to cooperate with you and your scriptures to to speed up to 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 have recovery in my in, in my physical body recovery of health because a lot of people are quick to ask for prayer however i'm telling you the word of god is life to them that find it and it's health to all their flesh so i would forward this to someone that you know that's in the hospital someone that's dealing with a terminal illness someone that's dealing with a recurring illness someone that's dealing with a long-term uh sickness or a disease something that's of continuing uh of continu continuation it's it's never like left their body they were born with it and that perhaps they think they have to tolerate it until the day they die or go and go home to be with jesus but i want to show you today that that's not god's perfect will for you and um so if you can take a moment share the broadcast like the page comment as much as you can if you're on youtube uh, and you're watching right now subscribe to our youtube and let's get in it first first of all i want to pray first and foremost for those watching and for those who will watch on the replay. Father, I pray in the name that is above every name. I pray right now. Would you open up the ears and hearts of the listeners today. That like Paul prayed in Ephesians 1. That the, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ would open up their minds. Give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. Their minds would be open to see in your word the glorious inheritance of the saints and the benefits of your covenant which you packaged for us in redemption. That any form of affliction in their body, any form of, of infirmity in their flesh, Lord, would be cast out, expelled as they come in contact with this message of the gospel. In Jesus' name, we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is still today, in 2021, the power of God unto salvation. And we do trust in you, knowing that those who put their trust in the Lord shall never be disappointed. In Jesus' name. Thank you for a flow of testimonies by the end of this broadcast. Thank you, Lord, that what the enemy intended for evil in their body is quickly turning into a testimony in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you, if you pray and believe that with me, just put amen in the comment section. Let's get in it. First and foremost, before we can move on to the keys of divine healing, you have to understand what God's will is as outlined in His Scripture. If you are not uh, if you're not aware or if you're ignorant to what God's will is in any area of your life, you are going to suffer greatly in that area. 
If you're ignorant of what God's will is concerning your spiritual salvation, you're going to live a life very frustrated, dominated by thoughts of perhaps I'm not saved. Uh, can I, you know, did I lose my salvation yesterday and today I have to fight for it back? You're constantly going to be plagued with uncertainty in that area. You know, if preachers were to preach sermons like, um, we don't know if it's God's will to save you. All we can do is pray and leave it up to Him. You're not going to have faith to be saved. There's going to be a question mark after the question of whether you're saved or not. You're going to live constantly tormented by the thought that if you were to die or if perhaps Jesus were to come back today, where would I spend eternity? And that's absolutely no way to live life. That's why the scripture says in the book of 1 John, these things have been written so that you can know that you have eternal life. God's word, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3, his word is the exact representation of his nature. What God said is what he meant and what God meant is what he said in this book. And remember John chapter 8, Jesus said that the scriptures cannot be broken. The scriptures are unbreakable. So I don't care what some preacher says about who he thinks Jesus is or what he thinks God's will is concerning the matter. Ultimately, that is not any bit relevant to me if it contradicts the word of God. I'm not moved by what people say. I'm not moved simply by what a preacher, say, a preacher says. I study the scripture. The scripture says in the book of Acts, the Berean of Thessalonica, they were more noble. Sorry, the Bereans were more noble than those believers that were, or those people that were in Thessalonica in that they didn't just hear the word, they studied the word, they opened up their books to see whether the things Paul was speaking truly was so, and Paul commended them as being noble-minded, as being a little brighter. They, they weren't as foolish or simple-minded as the, the ones in Thessalonica. So we don't just receive anything a preacher feeds us, we don't just receive anything that we hear on Christian television. Matter of fact, a lot of stuff you're going to hear on Christian television, a lot of stuff is not scripture correct a lot of things that you hear in Christian music you know a lot of people they sing lyrics because you know uh, the, the 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 newest song came out and it has a cute tune to it it's a very catchy uh, uh, rhythm to it and so they just sing whatever comes whatever the that song tells them to sing but they don't even know they're actually singing doctrine that's totally opposite to what God's word says and I don't want to be like one of those people I want to study this word to show myself approved a workman who needs not be ashamed who can accurately divide the work of truth and i believe that's why god drew you to this broadcast because you don't want to just walk through life aimlessly and wondering whether god wants you to be healed or whether god does not want you to be healed or whether god wants something for you or god does you don't want to be questioning everything god does and you don't have to question everything god does or god says you can know for yourself these things have been written so that you can know not so that you can question god's will is not something you should question god's will is something you can discover from reading his written will his written word is his will you know his the bible says in in uh, the book of second peter that holy men of god wrote 
as they were moved on by the Holy Spirit. So God's Spirit, you know, I have, I've heard people tell me all the time, well, you know, the Spirit of God told me that I, I have to just wait on a little while for this healing and, and, uh, and ultimately the healing might be in the next life. God's Spirit would never say something like that because God's Spirit does not contradict God's Word. These words, Jesus said, are Spirit and they are life. It is the flesh that profits nothing. So the word of God is God's express will that has been revealed towards mankind. So you want to know what God wants concerning healing? We got to look at his word and especially we need to look at Jesus and how he dealt with the sick. So let's go to Matthew 8 verses 1 through 3. The Bible says, when he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped Jesus, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus put out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing. Be made clean. And immediately, I want you to write out in that comment section, immediately, the word immediately. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. You know what that shows you? God's not going to put off to tomorrow what you have faith to believe Him for today. But that's not the point I'm trying to drive here. The point I'm trying to make with this, with reading this scripture is that this leper had a question mark after uh, as to whether God wanted him healed or not. Whether God wanted him well or not. And Jesus couldn't heal him until he first corrected his poor theology. Things don't just happen in life. God doesn't assign healing to certain people because they, they are a little more special than others. And then others, he has, you know, it's like he's playing a, a game of duck, duck, goose or duck, duck, sick or duck, duck, damned. God has one will towards humanity. The Bible says when it comes to salvation, God has one will. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of the truth. Well, and we're going to study it a little, a little later in this broadcast. When God came and sent, when Jesus came in and died for our sins, part of that atoning work, that redeeming work, was to pay for our physical salvation as well, our physical healing. You know, the scripture says, it's by his stripes you are healed. Well, if we're going to believe it's by his stripes we're healed, I mean, if we're going to believe he bore our sins in his body on that tree, then we also have to believe that before he went to that tree, he stopped at the whipping post, and by those stripes, we are healed. We can't hold one in high esteem and the other as, you know, you know, that's just a cherry on the top. No, both are included in the redemptive work of Calvary, and as such, I'm not going to belittle the stripes of Jesus that were taken so that I can receive my physical health and vitality. I'm not going to hold one higher esteem than the other. No, both were obviously important enough for Jesus to accomplish on his way to that cross. Jesus said, I am willing. You know, the Bible says in Acts chapter 10, verse 34, the reason why I'm going through this before I go through the, the other keys of divine healing is because if you cannot reap a harvest of faith, if you're sowing a seed of doubt and doubt is the result of ignorance to God's perfect will. Doubt is a result, comes as a result of ignorance to God's perfect will. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2.11, we aren't ignorant of the devil's 
vices or schemes or plotting or lies or deceptive powers lest we should be taken advantage by him we're not going to live in ignorance we're not going to live uh you know as lazy christians not studying god's will and as such being taken advantage people go through things not because god wanted them to go through it but because they were ignorant clueless as to what God's will is in, was in that area. And as such, they suffer things they need not suffer due to ignorance. The Bible says in the book of Hosea 6 and verse 4, My people are destroyed. My people are destroyed because they have no knowledge. Because they don't have under, uh, any understanding. Paul prayed for the Ephesians church which is a spirit-inspired prayer, and it's a prayer I prayed when I prayed for you at the beginning of this broadcast, and it's a prayer I pray for myself oftentimes daily, and it's something you should adopt into your own prayer life. The Bible says in Ephesians uh, chapter 1 and verses 15 and onward, I think to the end of the chapter, verse 22, the Bible says that Paul prayed for the Ephesians church. So this is a prayer that if the Ephesians church or if someone from the church today had approached Paul and said, Paul, I'm sick in my body. Can you pray for me to be healed? Or Paul, I have marriage problems. Can you pray for my marriage to be restored? Paul, I have something going on in life that I don't want to continue. Can you please pray for it, for it to stop? Paul would then turn to you and pray this prayer. He said that the Father of glory, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, would grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, of his will, so that the eyes of your understanding would be opened, so that you can know what is the hope of his calling, what is the, the, the riches of his inheritance towards those that are the call, and the surpassing greatness of his power towards them that, are, that do believe. So he, he's praying, you're sick in your body? I'm going to pray, not that... God will heal you right now. I'm going to pray first and foremost, before we pray God will heal you, I'm going to pray that God would open up your eyes to the understanding of the surpassing greatness of God's power that is available to you. But just because something's available to you does not mean that you're benefiting of that, that those resources. I can have a million dollars in the bank if I know it's available to me. It doesn't mean I'm benefiting from that million dollars. I need to know how to tap into that resources. And that's why we're studying the Bible. That's why we're studying the healing ministry of Jesus today. That's why we're going to go through keys to divine healing. Because when ignorance is expelled, darkness has no choice but to leave. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word is God. He was in the beginning with God. So the Bible literally says God and his word are interchangeable. Matter of fact, in Psalm 138 and verse 2, God says, I've honored my word even above my name. I've honored my word above my, my, own, na my, own, uh, my own name, my reputation. So the Bible goes on to say, and that word is the life of men and the light of men, and that light shines in darkness. That light, the answer to darkness is light. When I turned on the light in this room, I didn't have to pray that God would bring light into this room. I, I didn't have to ask God for darkness to leave. I didn't have to pray and fast three days before darkness left. All I had to do was turn on the light. 
In the same vein, when this light, the word of God, is a lamp to our feet, the scripture says, and a light to our path, when that light comes alive in you, darkness can't stand the power of light. Man, I feel this. If you want, just tuning in now. Please share this broadcast. I, I believe there's people that are going to be healed that you know that are on your timeline, your newsfeed, whatever, your YouTube, that you know. I believe as this light gets in them, it's going to expel the darkness of sickness today. And what they've prayed and believed God for years, I believe God can do that for them. In, uh, just from this broadcast, I, I'm a firm believer in the capacity of God's word to heal man's physical body. I, the Bible says it is health to all them that believe it. So if you would share this broadcast, and uh, I have compassion for sick people. The very reason I'm doing this broadcast is because I get irritated when I see sick people. I get irritated when I see people in wheelchairs. I get irritated. It irks me to the core just like Jesus when he saw Jerusalem and they were rejecting him as Messiah the Bible says he wept over Jerusalem and he said how often I desired to gather you in as a hen gathers her chicks but you are not willing when I see people just like Jesus did he saw the sheep without shepherd distressed dispirited sick and lame bruised and maimed and the Bible says he was moved with compassion I'm moved with compassion and so the action you can take when you're moved with compassion today is to share the broadcast and you don't even know what one share will do to the people uh, that you know. You don't even know what one share will do. Some of you are going to find out in eternity that it was a broadcast you shared that got some soul saved. It was a broadcast that you shared that got a body healed. It was a broadcast that you shared that repaired a marriage that was in need of help. That's the power of a share. That light shines in darkness and darkness can't comprehend. So number one, you cannot reap a harvest of faith sowing a seed of doubt. And doubt comes when you're questioning whether God wants you to have it. I mean, think of it. If you were questioning God's will to heal you, if you thought God was perhaps bringing you through the wilderness, whatever junk statements people make, bringing you through the wilderness to get you to the, you know, first of all, when they do that and they talk about Moses and the Israelites going through the wilderness, understand that when they went through the wilderness, it wasn't because God desired to bring them through a wilderness. It was their own disobedience and their own act of of rebellion against God that brought them through the wilderness for 40 years. The journey from Egypt to the promised land was like a three-month journey at most. Because of their rebellion, they went 40 years around the same mountain in the same wilderness, constantly uh, roaming the desert. It wasn't God's will for them to go through that wilderness. So that religious tradition and dogmatic statement is a load of mal malarkey, as uh, some people put it. And it shouldn't be taken as doctrine. You know, you, if a farmer goes out to plant a seed of, of, or, uh, of oranges or whatever, orange trees, he's, but he's expecting apple trees, he's not going to get the apple tree. He's going to get orange trees. So you can't plant a seed in doubt, what, wondering whether God wants to heal you or not, and expect to receive a harvest of healing. So number one, based out of Matthew 8, 1, and Acts 10.34, which says God does not show any partiality in every nation, in every nation of the world. God, you know, people always say, well, why does God heal people in Africa on such a uh, magnanimous level? And then in people in Canada and in, in, in America, we see little pockets of it. But it's not because God is the God of Africa and God's abandoned Canada and America. It's because 
this this truth why do not more people get healed because preachers have preoccupied themselves with sowing seeds of doubt in their congregation most preachers you know just as faith comes by hearing the word of god faith also uh, doubt also can come by hearing the words of men faith comes by hearing the word of god and faith can also leave by hearing the words of men so why are some not healed why are people why is it that we don't see you know Healing revivals, just which, by the way, we do see there are pockets of revival being birthed in our nation right now in Canada and United States. You can see there's pockets of it. But why is it that in a lot of places, the last miracle of healing they had or they witnessed was in like 1948 when, uh, you know, Smith Wigglesworth came by their house. It's, you want to know why Smith Wigglesworth saw more healings? Than a lot of people in his age, in his generation, because Smith Wigglesworth understood that God, who created you in his own image, did not create you in the natural order of things to bear the load of sickness and disease. I mean, if you go through a cancer ward, if you walk through a child's cancer ward, and you see their faces, and you see their hair, disintegrating and you see the effects of chemotherapy and you see their faces swollen up you're gonna tell me that that's god's will i mean i'll take you and let's let's go and approach their parents standing by their their sick bed and i want you to look at them straight in the eye and say that's god's will for your child you won't do it because it's not right to say that it's like against even human nature to say something like that. That's why people work as doctors. They study, go through 10 years of medical uh, education to become surgeons and neuroscientists and whatever, just so that they can alleviate to the best of their abilities the suffering of man. Because man, even in his own nature, understands that sickness is a violation of God's order on the earth. And until you understand that, you want to know why? You know... There's a lot of Baptists that get people saved left, right, and center. They're amazing evangelists, amazing crusade evangelists. Because when it comes to their understanding that sin is not God's will for humanity, that God has provided an atonement and redemption for mankind when it comes to sin, so they preach passionately. They preach heartfelt messages against the perils and, and, and decaying nature of sin. And they see people saved left, right, and center because their heart's engaged in it and there's no shadow of doubt whether God wants people saved. The Bible says God desires all men to be saved and to come to repentance. But then you don't see many healings go on because their doctrine is twisted in that area. And as such, the preachers the, are, 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 like I said, if there's any type of doubt whether God wants to heal you, the Bible says in James 1, you're like the waves of the sea tossed to and fro, and you ought not to expect even one thing from the Lord. The Bible says Jesus himself went to Nazareth to heal people, to perform miracles, but he could not do any miracles there because of their unbelief. And an unbelief rooted in whether it was God's will for them to be healed. And the Bible says, what was Jesus' reaction to that? He didn't complain about it. He didn't say, these people, you know, you know I, they'll, they'll never get healed. They'll never get recovered living like that. These ignorant bunch of folk. Let's go somewhere else. These guys are really not receiving us. That's not what he said. 
The Bible says in Mark chapter 6, and I think it's verse 6, and so he went about in, a, in the villages in a circuit teaching. So wherever there's unbelief, wherever there's questions, wherever there's uncertainty, wherever there's doubt or skepticism, the cure to that is to dive into this book called the Bible and study the scriptures so that faith can form and be developed and generate God's power to alleviate, remove, extract any form of satanic affliction and harassment. So understand, number one, you need to understand God's will is divine healing for you. I want you to write that out in the comment section. God's will is for my healing. God's will is for my healing. Or rather say this, God wants to heal me. God wants to heal me. God wants to heal me. If you're not settled on that fact, what faith will you have to pray and ask God to heal you? You wouldn't have any faith. You'd be praying prayers, faith-shattering prayers, like, if it be thy will, Lord, do this. Jesus prayed that prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, not in reference to his healing. He was praying a prayer of consecration as to the assignment and mandate he had on the earth, which was to go through the cross. That's why he was sweating blood, uh, sweating blood drops. Because he knew what was about to happen. He knew the torment and the suffering he was to go through. And so he said, if there's any other way to fulfill the commission of God here through my life, let's do it. But if not, I will drink this cup of suffering and not my will, but thine will be done. He wasn't talking about healing. He was talking about fulfilling the, the, the assignment of heaven on his life. Number two, you need to understand the root and origin of sickness and disease if you're going to break free from it today. You must understand the root and origin of sickness and disease. If you think God is orchestrating for you to be sick so that you can be taught a lesson or so that you can bring him glory or so that some sort of uh, of, of, of event will happen or transpire because of this sickness, you will never have faith to be healed until you identify and locate the origin, the source of the sickness. You're just going to, it's like, for example, if I see a tree that's, the branches are dying and the fruit of that tree is, is rotting and it, it's a dead, it's a diseased tree. I'm not going to try and trim the branches year after year and expect healthy branches to come forth. I have to get to the root. I have to uproot that tree and plant another tree before that, that tree can produce good fruit. Well, in the same vein, you can't uh, just try and trim, you know, if, if there's sickness in your body, you have to identify, you have to go to the root cause of that sickness. Not try and trim the bread. Not try, we're not trying to deal with the symptoms. That's what, you know, a lot of medication does. It deals with the symptoms and that's what a lot of treatment, that's why you see America, they are loaded, loaded. I think it's like 85% of the world's pharmaceutical business is in the United States of America. Some large number like that. Because they get you hooked on some sort of treatment when you're young and the treatment doesn't dissolve the source of the problem. Insulin doesn't get rid of diabetes. You know? There, there's a lot of medication. All it does is it 
allows you to get through life. But God did not call you to get through life. It's the enemy. The Bible says in John 10, 10, the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I didn't come to make life more comfortable for you. I didn't come to throw you a, a pillow and a mattress while you're still in that ditch of sickness and sin. I didn't come to just give a little renovation. I came to abolish the old life and I've come to bring in a new life, a life of abundance, a life of fullness. Jesus said, I have come to give you life more abundantly so that you don't have to endure life's problems or endure satanic infliction. The anointing isn't given to you to endure life. The anointing is given to you to enjoy life. Jesus wasn't going around to sick people and putting his hand on them and said, you know, the devil's doing this to you, but understand, you know, there's a plan and a purpose through it all. No! He, he, the Bible says, and he skirted the Sea of Galilee and they began to bring unto him all that were sick, all that were blind, all that were lame, all that were maimed, all that were deaf, all that were lepers. And the multitudes marveled when he passed out Hallmark cards and gave them roses and he wished them their best wishes and he laid hands on them so that they would receive strength to get through these things. No, he didn't do that. The Bible says the multitudes marveled when they saw the sick healed hallelujah when they saw the maimed made whole when they saw the lepers restored when they saw the blind uh, seen and the deaf hearing and they glorified the God of Israel notice how there was no glory given to God when they were sick there was no glory given to God when they were maimed there's no glory given to God when they were blind the glory came when the blindness was reversed the glory came when the sickness was healed the glory came when the, the deaf ears came open that's when the that's why the crowds flocked to Jesus that's why they they pressed through the throng desiring just to touch the hem of his garment what the church in in large there are like I'm saying there's a lot of churches that 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 are full gospel and they're seeing what I'm preaching on but there's a lot of places and if you attend a church like this where there's never any healings there's never any miracles there's never any testimonies the only testimonies they have are like you know, you know, God's given me strength to get through it. And there's no people rising up that, yeah, I was given over by doctors to death. I had a terminal illness. The doctor said there was nothing they can do but God. But God. What the enemy did for evil, God turned it for my good. What was impossible for doctors and men to do, God did in and through my life. And I stand as a living testimony. You know, if you don't attend a church where that's not happening on a regular basis, you have to find yourself a new church. I'm not saying miracles are, you know, as long as there's miracles, that's it. No, there should be the word of God preached. But when the word of, you know, there's people that say all the time, well, we're, we're a word church, you know, they're more a spirit church. We're a word church. We're, we're more about the word than anything else. They're more into like experience and stuff. You can have one without the other. You can't have the word being preached under the unction of the Holy Ghost and God not show up and confirm with signs and wonders. The Bible says, as he taught the multitudes, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. You can't have one without the other. Paul goes to Lystra as he's preaching. A man has faith to be healed. And Paul tells him, stand up on your feet. And as he did, he was restored with strength in his body and he began to run, leap and praise God. 
as he was listening to Paul's preaching, power began to manifest in that, that environment that led to the healing of that cripple. I mean, you look at Paul in Acts chapter 28. He goes to the island of Malta. And as he's preaching, people start to come to him, having with them all their sick. And he clears sickness off an entire island because of the preaching of the gospel. Paul said in Romans 15, he said that uh, in mighty signs and wonders, I have fully preached the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 1 in verse 5, my preaching was not in word only, but in the power of the gospel, in the power of God. So you, you can't just, well, we're just a word only. We, we just talk about the word and stuff. Yes, we preach the word. The word is the foundation for everything else to happen. But if all they're doing is preaching word and you're not seeing a confirmation of the word, then obviously there's something wrong. There's something missing. There's something twisted and perverted in their gospel, in their doctrine. There should be a, a harvest of changed lives. There should be a, a drug addicts. Testifying that I once was bound, but now I'm free. I once was blind, but now I see. There should be an influx of that happening on a regular basis. Because God is not a man that he should lie. He didn't write these things in this book called the Bible to keep us occupied until we're raptured or we die at a good old age. He put these promises here, not for the eternal reign of Christ, not for the millennial reign of Christ, not for when we get to heaven. We won't need healing in heaven. We'll have glorified bodies that are incorruptible bodies and immortal bodies. Why would you need healing when your body's perfect in the likeness of Christ's resurrected body? So obviously these promises are yea and amen in Christ for here and for now. But you have to get to the root of where sickness comes from. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. No doubt you know of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by who? Who were oppressed by the devil. They were not oppressed by God. The Bible doesn't say Jesus was going and undoing the work of God through his healing. The Bible says there was a devil who seeks and prowls around like a roaring lion whom he may devour. And he was laying sickness on people. But Jesus went about doing good, healing those that were oppressed by the devil. The devil is the oppressor. Jesus is the healer. The devil is the oppressor. God is the healer. Get, get that in. I want you to write that out. The devil is the oppressor. Jesus is is the healer. Don't get those two confused. Oral Roberts, used, who was used mightily of God to bring healing to countless multitudes. He laid on, hands on over a million people in his lifetime. I mean, you'd have a pretty cool life if you even met a million people. This guy laid hands on over a million people. And I, you can go on YouTube and see powerful, powerful video documented testimonies of people in his crusade coming on sick beds with a tumor on their neck or a tumor on their body and their arms on their, on their, in their belly. And as they're praying, the tumor leaves and the guy gets up and starts, I mean, just powerful testimonies. And this was done not in an age where they had Photoshop and they can like, you know, they can really uh, make you to perceive something was done. This was, an, this was like the 1960s, 1950s. They didn't have that. 70s. They didn't have any of that. The 80s. Powerful moves of God. 
Why? Because Oral Roberts used to say, the devil is a bad devil and God is a good God. There was a minister who was used mightily of God to deliver people from addictions. He was used mightily of God to deliver people from sinful habits and, 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 um, and chains when it came to addiction and sin and, and, and alcohol addiction. He had many people saved in respect to that and delivered in respect to that. He came to T.L. Osborne, who wrote the book Healing the Sick, which is a living classic. It's uh, something I would recommend everyone reads. And uh, he asked him, why is it that I never see any people healed in my meetings? I see people delivered of drug addiction. I see gang members saved. I see all kinds of marvelous miracles in that respect, but I don't see people say, uh, healed in their body. Why? And he asked him, Teal Osborne asked him, where do you believe addiction comes from? Where do you believe drug addiction comes from? Where do you believe sin has its root? And he said, well, the devil, no doubt in my mind, it's the devil. And he said, well, where do you believe sickness comes from? Do you believe that God sometimes sick send sickness and he said well we can never really know that's a touchy area he said there's your problem that's why when you're preaching on uh, deliverance from addiction and stuff there's a holy boldness and fire that rises up and an intolerance of those things in the lives of those that you're preaching to but when you preach on sickness you're uncertain as to where the source of those things is coming for, and as such, you're not qualified to be an agent of deliverance when it comes to, to sickness and disease. If you think that God is sending sickness on you, you will die in that sickness. You will never get healed. But when you start to understand that the enemy is the author and the originator of sickness and disease, a holy anger and violence will rise up in your heart the same way i have an intolerance towards sin in my life the same way i have an intolerance when some a temptation comes i immediately cast down that thing and i bring myself in, a, in line with the word of god the same way i have an intolerance of sin in other people's life is the same way i cannot and will not and definitely will never tolerate sickness in my body or in the lives of those around me. If my son even shows the sign of a sniffle, that devil has no room in this house. I don't give a foothold to the devil. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, or I believe it's chapter 4. Anyways, I think it's 427. Chapter 4, verse 27. We are not to give the devil a foothold in our life. I don't give him room in this house. Oh, well, it's just the sniffles. No, it doesn't matter if it's a sore throat or a stubbed toe. It cannot survive in this house because as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. We are willing. We are obedient. And the Bible says as such, we're going to feed off the goodness of the Lord while we're yet in the land of the living. I don't tolerate. I don't placate it. That's why when you see, there was a lady in Saskatoon. Some of you have heard this testimony, but it's so good. I'll say it again. The, um, the Bible talks about, you know, Jesus sending his disciples to preach the kingdom of God and heal their sick. I don't just preach the kingdom of God without doing the latter. 
I'm not just, I don't just feel conviction that I should preach on, on, on salvation from sin. I feel the conviction in my heart that there's a hurting, dying world. I said it before, 85% of the world's pharmaceuticals are in the United States alone. People are hurting and people are going elsewhere to seek freedom from those physical pains and infirmities when in reality God's the one who said to his ministers when you go don't go empty-handed preach this gospel heal the sick raise the dead freely you've received now freely go that did not expire when the last disciple and apostle expired that has continued to this day because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forevermore he didn't have a better will then than he has now he's if, if you're telling me that God's will before Christ's ascension to heaven was better than his will after Christ's ascension to heaven, if you're going to tell me that the old covenant which promises healing is better than the new covenant, then why don't we revert back to the old covenant if it has more things involved in, and, and included in it? But the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 8, we have a better covenant based and established on better promises. I'm not going to be ashamed of the better covenant that we have. Just like Joseph, he received that multicolored robe. I'm not going to lay it aside for fear that somebody else is offended. Some people don't preach the healing message because they're afraid to offend somebody, afraid to step on toes. Well, what if somebody doesn't get healed? Well, you know what? If you don't preach it, you're guaranteed nobody will get healed. But what if somebody does get healed? I'm going to wear that multicolored robe. I'm going to boast not in my health, not in my, my ex- you know, there's so many preachers they talk about healthy exercise healthy um exercise routines healthy diets healthy and all that and i'm all for cooperating with god for your healing don't get me wrong i believe in healthy exercise i believe in healthy eating i do it myself i'm not going to go and violate the temple of god and then expect him to keep me healthy whole and strong you know if i go out and smoke cigarettes for the next 300 days smoke a pack a day i'm not going to believe god for my healing my lungs you know, all the while doing all those, you know, not all that nonsense. I'm going to cooperate with God. However, I'm not going to boast that my health and my strength and the, the vitality I enjoy today is not, I'm not going to credit healthy eating to those things. I'm not going to credit exercise to that. No, I'm not going to boast in anything else but the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ that through redemption by his divine nature, I've been made a partaker of every good and perfect thing in Christ Jesus, of his divine nature. I've escaped the corruption of sickness of this world because I've now put on God's divine nature. And the only reason I stay healthy, the only reason I stay strong, the only reason I'm vital and, and, and I don't grow weary and I don't grow fatigued and I have a supernatural flow of health flowing from within is because of his spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, quickening my mortal body to do the same works that he did. So I'm not going to credit anything else. But it's funny how you have people, pastors, preachers, you know, they'll when they talk about healing, they're actually more involved. They're more their message is more revolved around, uh, you know, natural things you can do. I've heard it before. You know, here are some things you can do to stay healthy in your body. I'm not like I said. I'm not for. I'm not against the practical application. You need to do the practical application of healthy eating and all that. But why would you talk about that and then not bring in? There's churches, they have like, you know, healthy eating seminars and all that. And they don't ever bring up the doctrine of divine healing. I don't understand. Why would you settle for crumbs when the whole bread is laid on the table now for us who are in Christ Jesus? 
So you have to be settled in your spirit. Job 2.7, sickness. The, the, the Bible says, and Satan went forth from the presence of God and struck Job with boils. Not God struck Job with boils, Satan. Remember, Job said, he gives and takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. And remember, you know, a lot of people, they even sing that in the song, blessed be the name of the Lord, he gives and takes away, he gives and takes away, my heart will ever say, whatever that, the lyrics say. I don't sing that song, because if you study the entirety of Job, you find out that God actually rebuked Job at the end of the book because of the nonsense that he was speaking. And if you study the book of Job in the first couple of chapters, you understand that God did not put sickness on Job, God did not kill his uh god didn't kill his family it was satan that went forth and did all those things so the god doesn't take away health god doesn't give sickness and take away health you know what god does yeah he does give and take away he gave me health and took away my sickness he gave me his righteousness and took away my sin. He gave me his prosperity and took away my poverty. He gave me redemption and took away my bondage. He gave me his freedom and took away my chains. He gave me his life and took away death. That's what, if you want to sing, he gives and take away, that's how you should be singing it. Not he gives, he gave me sickness and took away my health. He gave me... Uh, Impossible. So this lady comes in to, when we're in Saskatoon, getting back to that message. And um, she has stage four terminal cancer in her brain. And she has a tumor there and doctors can't do anything. They said, go home. You know, we'll do chemo, whatever we can. But there's like a 99.9% .9 chance you're not going to make it. Just go home. Enjoy your life. If you want chemo in the future, you come. You, you, you come. And I think she was doing a few treatments and stuff here and there. But nothing was conclusive. Nothing was imp improving or, or getting any better. There was no desired results. So she comes into that meeting in Saskatoon when I'm preaching at a church called Christ the Healer Church with Pastor Terry Severson, great man of God. And uh, as I'm preaching, I see the power of God fall on her. And uh, she starts to weep and, and, and just like kind of like shrink into her chair. I called her out. I wasn't going to wait for the end of the message to minister to her. I called her out that very moment. When God's doing something, you know, the end result, the, the end goal of preaching is not to finish your sermon. The end goal of preaching is to get people healed and set free. So I call her out and I, I lay hands on her. And I say, everything's going to be all right. The Bible says, say unto right, to the righteous, all will be well. As I do, she, power of God hits her. She gets up. Goes back to her chair. She's still like, you know, the power of God's still on her. This was in October, the end of October. In December, I get a message from the pastor. He sends me the, the, the clip of her testifying in church. She didn't even look like the same person anymore. She had, like, when I saw her the first time, she had, like, ghostly skin. You know, when someone's dying, they don't look like they just, you know, they don't look like Cristiano Ronaldo, like the healthiest person alive. They, they... They look like the sickness has taken a toll on their body. So she had ghostly white pasty skin and, uh, you know, hair thinning out, whatever. When I saw her in December on that clip he sent me, it looked like a totally different person. And she started to say, I went back to the doctor. She had a two-month checkup a week prior to her testifying because, you know, she went, she felt better after we laid hands on her, but she wanted to wait till she had the doctor's report before she testified publicly. So she went to her two-month checkup in December, and the doctor said not only was she healed, 
He said, this is not the type of cancer that ever even goes away. Like, I've seen very, very few cases that it goes away. And if it does go away, it's a prolonged healing. It's not some, like, flip of the switch healing, where it's like, here today, gone tomorrow. And it seemed like from the last time where the cancer was progressing on the chart to now, it was totally gone. Not one sign or trace of that cancer in her body. Hallelujah. You know what changed in that girl? She knew. You know, it's not enough to just know God can heal. It's not enough just to know God will heal. You have to understand, Satan is the afflictor of men's bodies. And when you understand that, there's an intolerance that rises up that says, I refuse to put up with this thing another day in my life. I refuse to, to, to have this thing remain in me. Satan cannot legally lay on me what I've already seen Christ take on his body at that cross. You, uh, you want more proof that Satan's the originator of sickness? Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 18. Jesus gets into the synagogue and there's a woman there who's been double bound by what? Not by an angel. The Bible doesn't, she wasn't, the Bible doesn't say she was bound by a, a, a heavenly agent. The Bible doesn't say she was bound by God himself. The Bible says she was bound by a spirit of infirmity. And when Jesus saw her there, he called her to himself. And he laid his hands on her and said, woman, be loose from that infirmity. The religious people were the ones that got angry and said, this woman, she should have come on another day to be healed. She should have come at another time to receive her healing. She should have come uh, on Monday or Tuesday. This is the Sabbath. The religious world always is trying to give a, uh, always trying to put off the work of God to a futuristic event. They're always trying to discourage you from receiving from God today because if, they can't, if you can't receive from God today, if you never receive from God today, they have a way to like excuse themselves and say, well, you know what? We didn't tell you what happened today in God's timing. God's timing, God's timing was 2,000 years ago. We're not looking for redemption. We look back. Job said, if only my Redeemer lived and was walking on this earth, I know that he put his hand on my, my back and on God's back and he would make peace between the two of us. Job looked forward to a Redeemer. Jesus was that Redeemer. In the New Testament, we're not looking forward for Christ to come back down again take a 40th lash on his back. He already did it all. He accomplished it at all at the cross. There's not another work. Jesus didn't hang on that cross and say one day it will be finished. He didn't say, hey, fellows, you know, don't take this to be a complete work. There's still more work to do and we're going to, no. That's why there's some ministers who they always say, you know, we couldn't be used in God, for, by God for healing if we weren't sick ourselves. Really? Are you our mediator? Are you the one who was our redeemer? Are you the one who stood in the gap for us between God? Are you the one who bore, who needs to bear my sickness? Or did Jesus in Isaiah 53 fulfill the messianic prophecy when it says he bore our sickness? If he bore our sickness, then you don't have to suffer. The Bible doesn't say he suffered with us. It said he suffered for us. That's a huge difference. One word made a huge, dif huge difference in doctrine. He didn't suffer with us. He doesn't suffer with our sin. He suffered for our sin. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. 
He's not going to come. That's why Romans 10 says, don't say in your heart who will ascend into heaven to bring Christ down from above. And don't say in your heart who will descend into the abyss to bring Christ back up from the dead. Rather, the word is near you in your heart and in your mind. The word of faith which we preach. Which we preach. What's the word of faith that we preach? If you'll confess Jesus Christ out of your mouth and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You shall be saved. Not you will in the next, no, you shall, you are. If I shall, then I is. If I is, then I am. I don't have to, I'm not praying that God, man, I, I really believe a lot of people's light bulbs are coming on right now. And religious tradition and falsely humble statements that you've absorbed and bought onto, they're being shattered. Anything that my heavenly Father from His Word has not rooted and planted in you shall be uprooted. And the truth of God's Word is going to get rooted in you deep and within. And that tree, that, that, that truth is going to produce a harvest of miracle, one, miracle signs and wonders in you. So you have to understand, Satan is the afflictor. Jesus turned to the religious crowd and he said, Ought not this daughter of Abraham whom Satan has bound? One third of the cases of healing Jesus dealt with had to do with a demon. Had to do with a spirit. Had to do with a devil that was at the root of that thing. Where Jesus actually cast out a devil out of the person. When he took hold of that lady and said, Woman, you're loose." Of that infirmity? That was a spirit of infirmity. You know what a spirit of infirmity is? A lot of you have seen it and you've been exposed to it, but you've never understood it. But I'm going to show you right now. When you see somebody who has a pain in their body, when you see somebody who's afflicted in their body, when you see somebody who the doctors don't understand what's going on, there's no clue, there's no medical science that can attest to what's going on, developing or growing in their bodies, there's, there's like a life force to it, like cancer, that's a spirit of infirmity, you cannot tell me cancer is a normal, um, a, a normal affliction of the flesh, no, cancer is a devil, because it has a life force to it, and many times, when people get delivered of that spirit of infirmity who have cancer, many times, you'll see them vomit out some like weird substance, a black like stringy substance, substance. Many times you'll see people that, are, that have that spirit of infirmity, that have a terminal illness, and doctors have given up, there's nothing to do, the thing's just growing in their body. A lot of times you see them, that th th there's like an, a physical expelling of that thing. Cancer is a devil. That's right, Pastor Tyler. Hey, Isaiah. I mean, you look at John chapter 9. A lot of people use this. When Jesus was walking and there was a man born blind and they said, who sinned? Was it him or his parents that sinned that this guy should be born blind? What did, what did Jesus say? Neither this man sinned nor his parents sinned. But it was so that the, the glory of God should be revealed. And this is the work that he sent me to do. To reverse the course of blindness in his body. So people use that. Well, you know, the Bible says that if he wasn't blind, then the glory of God couldn't be revealed. That, that the, the blindness was actually the glory of God being revealed. No, 
That, I mean, you just have to have a third grade education level to understand that Jesus wasn't saying that the blindness was the glory of God being revealed. Jesus was saying that I have come to work the works of him who sent me. And when I work this work of giving this blind man sight, that is the glory of God being revealed. The Bible says very clearly. When Jesus went and cast out a mute spirit, the mute man spoke. So you see that the muteness, there was a physical expression of a demon at work in their lives. When the demon was cast out, the physical body was released from the authority and dominion of that spirit. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ as this word comes alive in you, every spirit of infirmity, every untraceable thing in your body, everything that's been given up by doctors and the thing keeps growing and it keeps increasing and keeps manifesting, everything that doctors said, we don't know what's happening with you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, everything that has originated in hell, it loses its grip off your body now. The Bible says through death, sin and Satan and sickness entered into the this world but through Jesus Christ's obedience to that cross because of his obedience we now have become heirs of his grace and of the gift of righteousness to now reign in life over the things that used to reign over us every devil the Bible says he has given us dominion over devils sickness and disease to cast them out and nothing of the enemy's camp shall ever be able to harm us in Jesus name as you've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ you've been redeemed by his blood you are now to glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Every demon, every spirit of infirmity that's been hindering your ability to glorify God in your body, it loses your address right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I take authority over that spirit. In Jesus' name, loose them and let them go now by the authority of the gospel. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Number three. And I think I'll finish with this today, and then we'll, we'll do the other. I have like 15 of them, so maybe we'll do like three weeks of this. Because I think, I mean, I, I was just in the U.S. not too long ago, and I was flipping through. I don't have a TV. I have a TV here, but I don't watch. I don't have like cable. I don't watch television. I, I watch YouTube, you know, for sermons and stuff like that, and I might watch a, a show I like on a streaming service, and that's it. But I don't, I don't watch I don't watch television because, first of all, I hate commercials. And secondly, I hate the type of commercials that we have. In the U.S., I was um, sitting on the couch one day and, you know, there was a TV and I hadn't watched TV in so long, like years. So I was like, Let me, let's see what's on TV. I kid you not. Every commercial, let's say there was a two and a half minute break between, between the two, uh, between the shows. Every commercial. I would say eight out of 10 commercials were about some sort of sickness. Diabetes, if you have multiple cirrhosis, if you have fibromyalgia. So why is it that the pharmaceutical business understands that there's a struggling population and they're trying to do something about it even though you know there is a lot of wickedness going on in that industry. They're making a lot of money off you being sick. They don't make money off you not taking their pills. They make money when you take their pills. That's why there's a push against the gospel and the move of God because Jesus offers for free what wicked men want to enslave you to so they can feed their financial systems. And every single commercial I saw, are you over the age of 60? Have you noticed that your back has begun to... Have you seen that... Have you noticed your eyes are starting to dim out? 
Well, we have this new treatment for you called Oliva. Ali you know, and you have a guy who, who doesn't, he goes to a church where they pretty much told him that the age of healing, the age of miracles has gone by. You shouldn't expect any of that. So what does he do? He's making wicked people richer, feeding into their system. Instead of what? Instead of being exposed. You know, I love, there's a book called Seeing Jesus as He Really Is. A lot of people have seen a, a, a form of who, a perspective of who Jesus is, but it's a false perspective. The real Jesus, when He came in contact with the sick, He didn't send them away with, you know, a leper came to Him and He said, do we, Luke, do we have any fish oils? Can we rub this guy with some fish oils? He seems to be losing some skin today more than yesterday. He wasn't going about dealing with, like I said in point number two, sickness is a satanic oppression. It has its root in darkness. It's a spiritual thing. So Jesus wasn't trying to heal spiritual things by dealing with physical uh, remedies, natural remedies. He was using his spiritual power to alleviate men because sickness has its root in the, in, in, in the spiritual world. Whether, no, way, no matter how you put it. So you can't tell, you can't tell someone who's sick you know, take fish oils, take this. Those things, like I said, they might be remedies. They might be ways to deal with it. But if you want to get to the core of that thing, you have to. The blood of Jesus is the only power and the only weapon that the enemy respects and understands he needs to back off from. When I was sick and I had OCD, anxiety disorder called obsessive compulsive disorder, and I had it for many years. And doctors, I actually, my dad was cleaning out a cabinet the other day and he found the prescriptions that the doctors had given me for a pill. And I took that pill and all it did was make me like a zombie. I felt like, you know, I was like a, an extra on The Walking Dead or something. Didn't, I didn't feel good. Didn't make me feel better, but it got the panic to like, to, to pretty much cool off a bit. But it didn't make me feel great. There's a lot of extra symptoms because we weren't made to feed off chemicals so we can just survive. So I remember at that point, I came in contact with a live stream. That's why I'm so uh, convinced and, and, and an, um, an advocate almost for live streaming and, and that every church should be on live stream and every ministry should have a live stream. There's no reason why a minister and a preacher should not have a, a weekly broadcast or something because I was healed. By tuning into a live stream. I was listening to an evangelist preach on Isaiah 53. Surely he bore our sickness and carried our pains. Yet we esteemed him smitten, stricken of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our affliction. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was laid on him. And by his stripes, we are healed. I remember hearing that. I had grown up in church until I was about like 13, 12, 13. I had never heard that scripture before in my entire life. That was the first time I heard it. So I had enough religion in me to the, the moment I heard that. I said, well, yeah, that's the Old Testament. But then the preacher went to the New Testament and began to preach out of Matthew chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. At evening, they brought him all that were sick and those that were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed them that were sick so that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled that he himself took our sicknesses and carried our pains. Well, then I had enough religion to say, well, that's just Jesus, you know. He was different. But then the preacher came into the New Testament uh, post-Jesus, 1 Peter 2.24. 
The Bible says, Himself in His own body bore our sins, that we being dead to sin might live through righteousness, by whose stripes you are healed. Or you were healed, sorry, past tense. So Isaiah 53 says you are healed, looking forward to when Christ would take the stripes on His back. Jesus comes and He is enforcing that healing will to, to that generation. And then Peter, years later, is saying now that he's done that, he's fulfilled the Isaiah prophecy, we are to look forward to, you got to look back, you were healed. So we're not asking God, Lord, would you heal me today? No, we're saying, Lord, I accept. The same way I accept salvation for my spirit, the same way I accept the redemptive work of Christ uh, to, to, to rid in me of the curse of sin, to wash me flee of guilt, to cleanse me of all unrighteousness, the same way I'm not believing God to save me one day. I am saved. These things have been written so that you can know you have eternal life. Those who believe on me as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so I must be lifted up and whosoever believes in me has, not will have, has everlasting life. So we're not praying, you know, you go and get... If you want to get saved, you're not saying, Lord, would you please, I I'm believing God that one day you'll save me. No, Lord, I receive salvation. I receive what you've done for me. In the same vein, I receive healing. Christ is our Savior, and Christ, the Bible says in Ephesians 5, is the healer of the body. He, the Bible says no man hates his own body, but nourishes it and cherishes it, even as Christ does the church. Oh, perhaps God's trying to teach me something. Uh, first of all, the, the scripture they use when they say that is Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6, where the Bible says uh, that the father whom he loves, he receives as a son and he chasteneth them. He disciplines them as a son would be disciplined by his father. And so they use that word disciplined. I mean, part of discipline is physical discipline. He's got a discipline in your, you know, if you... People say it all the time, had I not been sick, I don't know if I'd ever turn to Christ. That doesn't mean God commissioned the sickness. Understand something. What God permits does not necessarily mean God commits it. Just because God permits it does not mean God commits it. God will permit you to be a murderer and kill. He will not commit or approve of that murder. God will permit to, uh, for you to be a thief and rob a bank. God is not committing, nor is He approving, nor is He anointing you to rob a bank. So what God permits is not necessarily, and you should not confuse with what God commits. So yes, the sickness that you might have had did turn you to Christ. But now that you've been turned to Christ, Jesus said that paralytic in Mark chapter 2. Which is easier for me to say, son, your sins are forgiven, or rise, be healed. But that you might know the Son of Man has power on earth to heal of sickness and disease, I say to you, rise up and be healed. Jesus did not separate the two. He didn't, he didn't say, I'm coming to die only for your sins, and then healing is something I do as a hobby. The Bible says in Jeremiah, save me and I shall be saved. And in the same verse, heal me and I shall be healed. Psalm 103, David said, bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all of his benefits. Don't forget his benefits. Don't live through life with some religious humility, false humility, being cheated of the reward Christ paid for you to have, which is physical healing, 
But you say it doesn't matter if we're healed in this life. What matters most is we're going to heaven. You're by your own admission and confession, you're cheating yourself out of your own reward. Drop the humility, false humility. Drop the false religious jargon. And say what God has said concerning you and your and that sickness in your body. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not any of his benefits. He forgives all of my sins. Not some of my sins. He forgives all of my sins. And then in the same verse, He heals all my diseases. Not some, all. God desires all to be saved. And then when Jesus was on the earth, He said, Whosoever shall believe on me. And everyone that touched the hem of His garment was made well. And He healed them all. And the multitudes came to him and he preached to them from the kingdom of God concerning the things of the kingdom of God and he healed everyone that had need of healing. Never did he skip over somebody. Never did he postpone somebody's healing when they came to him in faith. Never did he reschedule their breakthrough when it came to physical infirmity when they came to him in faith. Never. Never. I was told that my that OCD I had was Paul's thorn in my flesh. That was something God was giving me to keep me humble because of the lifestyle I live. That's what I was told for a long time. And I believed it. And you want to know what happened when I believed that? I was not healed. I continued to struggle. You want to know when the healing kicked in? It was when someone took the time to sit me down and preach from this book. Exactly what God's will was concerning the area of divine healing. Paul's thorn in the flesh was not sickness. Paul's thorn in the flesh was a group of persecutors, of Judaizers, who were intent on following Paul town to town that were constantly taking him a prisoner, constantly whipping him, constantly, you know, making life miserable for him. And Paul said, could you, because you study the Bible, Numbers 33:55, it talks about the Israelites having a thorn in their flesh. And it wasn't talking about a sickness. It was talking about a group of people called the Canaanites who if Israel would not rid the earth of them, they would soon become, the Amalekites, they would soon become a thorn in, in Israel's flesh. A pain in their rear end, as we would put it in today's terms. It wasn't talking about a sickness. And there's another time where in the Old Testament it, talks, it uses the term thorn in the flesh and it's talking about a people group again. So Paul uses the same expression. He's not talking about sickness. The Bible says it's an angel, a messenger of Satan. So it's a demon to buffet him time after time. Demonized people that were intent on stopping the plan of God that he had for Paul, which was to get the message of the cross to Rome. Because once Paul got it to Rome, all leads re lead to Rome. And then also every road from Rome, from Rome leads everywhere else. So once he got to the gospel to Rome, that's when things started to take, you know, because for a long while it was just in the Middle East and then it came to Africa a bit. But then it went to Asia and stuff. But then when it got to Rome, that's when it kicked off to the entire world. So the devil wanted to stop that. But God said, you must appear before Caesar at Rome. And he couldn't do it. So Paul's thorn in the flesh was not a sickness. It was a group of, and you can read it in second. You know, it's actually, if you take away chapters and verses and you read a book in its entirety without observing chapter and verse, you'll get a better angle of it. 
and uh, 2 Corinthians 11 is when Paul is literally talking about all the sufferings he's been through in thirstings often, nakedness, in famine, and struggle. And he goes whipped three times, 39 lashes, minus, uh, 40 lashes minus one, uh, and many times shipwrecked. And then he says, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 1, because of the abundance of revelations given unto me, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Another thing I'd like to ask people that think that their sickness is a thorn in the flesh is how many revelations and visions have you received that God needed to give you a thorn in the flesh? And people are so prideful. Why did God have to give you a thorn in the flesh? Did, I mean, how many, how many visitations of heaven are you having? How many times, you know, Paul said, I went to the third heaven. How many times have you been to the third heaven that would warrant you having a thorn in your flesh? Most people can't even answer one. So, it's obviously not that. One mistake people make is they take a snippet of scripture and they build an entire doctrine around it. Huge error. That's why Paul told the Sadducees, you err, you're in great error because you know not the scriptures and because of that, you're disqualified from the power of God. Let me stop here today because I have, you know, I think 14 or 12 other points that I'm going to get through. But I want to pray for you. And I want you to set your faith that I'm going to, my healing is not something to be done. My healing has already been accomplished. The price has been paid. You know, <clears throat> if the Bible says we are no longer under law, but under grace. And the scripture shows that sickness is a part of the curse of the law. Deuteronomy 28 verses 15 through the end of the chapter talks about tumors, mildew, fevers, dysentery. It, it talks about a bunch of things. Pains and every kind. And then it says every sickness which is named and those that are not even named in this book of the law. Well, if sickness is listed as a curse of the law and Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having been made a curse for us, Galatians 3.13 and 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us who believe. And the Bible says in Romans 6.14 that we are no longer under law, but under grace. If I'm no longer under law, then why should I submit myself to the curses of the law if I'm not under it anymore? If a judge declared you innocent of an alleged murder that you had committed, and you've been declared innocent, and you've as such you've been, uh, you know, set free in the court of law, then you don't have to serve any prison time because the law has declared you free. The Bible says in Romans 8, 2 and 3, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. I'm set free from the laws of sin, which produces death, the ways of sin is death. But the free gift of God is life eternal. Life eternal is the word zoe. It's the life force of God. I've been set free from the life force of Satan, which is sickness, disease, tumors, pain, symptoms, infirmity. And I've put on the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. John G. Lake, a minister out of Canada that was a minister to Africa, an apostle to Africa. They, uh, his big scripture was Romans 8 too. That was the scripture he stood on. The law of sin and death. I've been set free from it. And now I operate by a new law. I'm no longer 
subject to the laws of sin and death. I'm not subject to the elementary bondage of this world. I'm not subject to the corruption of this world. Because people say all the time, well, we live in a fallen world. I am no longer alive. My citizenship is in heaven where Christ is. Though I am in this world, I am not of this world. And the Bible says God's seed lives in me. And as such, the wicked one can no longer touch me. So because I'm not of this world, I'm not subject to what the world goes through. You might look like the rest of the people in this world. You might live in this world, but you are not of this world. Your story is not going to turn out the same way everybody else's story has turned out. Because we are citizens of heaven. We've been made to sit in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. And we are now feeding off another source. We've been grafted in to Christ Jesus and his life force flows through my, my veins. His health flows through my body. His blood flows through my veins. Well, you know, uh, I, we actually have a history of this in our family. You know, we have a history of cancer in our family, so we have to get checked every so often. Oh, we, have a, we have a history of depression in our family, so we have to get checked. Uh, we want to we see uh, some psychologists here and there, and they've been prescribing us anti-anxiety medication just to keep things in check. I am... Not my last name might be Malkanji, and that's because I can't change it right now, like in, in the natural. But I'm not part of, the, of even my own family anymore. I've been bought into a new family. I'm part of another family. The Bible says we are no longer strangers or foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the house of God. I'm a citizen of the saints and a member of God's family. Does cancer run through the genealogy of heaven? No. I'm of the family of the guys of, 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 the, of the faith. The family of Abraham. Did cancer run through that lineage? No. Bible says he was 115 years old, raising a 15-year-old child. The Bible says he was 100 years old. And he grew stronger daily in faith. I have another family. I'm not like the rest of this world. Like Caleb, he was 85 years old and he said, give me now this mountain. I'm stronger today than I was when I was 40. Don't take sickness as a way of life or that it's a product of old age or it's something you have to expect as you grow older. It's just what nature hands to you. Or this is the result of living in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. But the Bible says, God has delivered us from this present wicked age according to the will of God our Father. The Bible says, we have been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness, the fallen world, and we've been transferred into God's glorious kingdom in whom we have redemption by His blood. What's redemption? We've been bought back. Jesus came and he declared, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to set free the captive and to declare the year of Jubilee. What was the year of Jubilee? Read it in Leviticus. It was a year when a trumpet was proclaimed and it announced to everybody that was in bondage, that was in slavery, that was in debt, that you can return to your own possession. What did Adam have in Eden? He had health. He had strength. He had life. 
He didn't grow weary. He didn't have weakness in his body. He didn't have infirmity. What did Adam lose in Eden? He lost his mental sanity. He lost physical strength. He lost health in his body. He lost uh, uh, um, a sense of, 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 uh, of, of rightness before God. He lost his, his innocence before God. What did Christ come to reinstitute? What did Christ come to impute to us? He came to reinstitute, to restore that which was forfeited in Adam. The last Adam came to bring back what was forfeited in the first Adam. We have now in Christ passed out of, out of chains into liberty. Out of bondage into freedom. Out of death into life. Out of sickness into health. Sickness, disease, sin, poverty has passed from me to Calvary. Health, strength, vitality, righteousness, prosperity has passed from Calvary to me. How can you know that you're going to be healed today? One point. The Bible says in Luke 14, Jesus telling the parable of a feast that a, a master was throwing. And he sent out invitations to people. And the invitation read, all things are now ready. All things are now ready. Not will be ready. They are now ready. God has already furnished the table and on it, healing. The children's bread is on that table. You just have to take the action of faith today. Pull up a seat to that table and begin to feast. Let me tell you something. Matthew 15, a Syrophoenician woman comes to Jesus. Come and lay hands on my daughter. She's demon possessed and she's going to die. But if you'll, pray, if, you'll, if you'll do something about it, she'll live. Jesus doesn't answer her a word. He says it's not good for me to throw the... the uh, it's not good for me to give the bread to the, to the dogs, what's reserved for the children. What did that woman say? Yeah, but even the crumbs that fall from the master's table can heal my daughter. I know. Jesus said, great is your faith. As you have believed and as you've desired, so let it be done for you. I want you to see something here. Just the crumbs. That woman had faith in the crumbs to heal her daughter. That woman had faith in the crumbs to set her daughter free. That woman had faith that just the crumbs of the healing bread of heaven had the capacity to annihilate sickness in her daughter's life. If the crumbs could do it, how much more shall we who have access? Jesus said, pray for my bread daily. The Bible says in the, in the, the Lord's Prayer, Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus said healing is that bread. If the crumbs could blast sickness out of that girl's life, how much more if you take a bite of the actual bread today, the bread of life, which the Bible says, your fathers ate of the bread which came from heaven and they have died. But whoever believes on me and eats of my flesh shall have my life in him. That's why we take communion. Twofold. I'm thanking God for the final fruit of salvation, rest, uh, an incorruptible body, and eternal, you know, eternity with God. But I also thank God for the first fruit of that salvation, which is healing from my body. Jesus' body was bruised. 
Don't belittle what Jesus Christ did by saying stupid statements like, well, healing's not the worst thing. Uh, sickness isn't the worst thing you can have. What really matters is that we're saved in God's sight. Yes, I understand that. But don't belittle. Obviously, Jesus thought it was important enough for him to not just go straight to the cross, but to take a pit stop at the whipping post, to take 39 lashes, that every droplet of blood that fell from those lashes, which by the way, those lashes were not just one, one whip. It was nine, nine different separate uh, whips that had like four or five metal th throngs on them, that every whip he took was actually nine times more than it was it was nine times five because everything had every single uh, end of that whip had five uh metal how would you say it? metal uh like knives connected to them so it was like 45 whips every single he took every single every single whip he took do you think he did that for nothing no it was by his stripes that you are healed when I was listening to an evangelist preach the same thing I'm preaching to you right now, I abandoned the religious tradition, I, which made void the power of God in my life. I abandoned what I had heard my whole life. And instead, I did like the Thessalonians. Paul said, you Thessalonians, when you receive the word of God, you didn't receive it like the word of man. You received it as what it really is, the power of God to those who believe. I saw Jesus bearing my sickness on that, bo that body in that cross. As such, I don't need to bear it anymore. You don't have to pay your hydro bill or your electricity bill twice, just once. Jesus paid the bill for your healing. Jesus already absorbed the bill, the penalty, the fine that was issued towards us. He covered so that we can enjoy Physical health and vitality. I want to pray for you today. That right now, wherever you find yourself, no matter what the doctors, that girl, that, I, that woman I talked about before was given like nine, ten months or whatever, at most a year to live. No treatment was going to work on her. And I've seen God time and time again I mean, if there's two things you can know about the Bible is one, you can see the horror of sin and the torment it causes humankind. And you can see the compassion that God has towards people that are suffering. You can see from the Bible and just, you know, if you go to church or if you just live in life, you can understand that there's a, a, an immense amount of suffering humanity goes through. But the Bible doesn't just stop at identifying or diagnosing the root cause of that suffering. It then produ produces a remedy for it. It talks about the remedy, remedy. Two things Jesus did. He had compassion on the multitudes, but his compassion moved him to action. And it blasted out. You saw Jesus execute total dominion over all sickness and all disease. That dominion hasn't been lost. But God's eyes are looking to and fro. The Son of God was made manifest to destroy the work of the devil. And God's eyes are looking to and fro still to this day. For people who will stand as God's 
executor of his will here on the earth to enforce his will. Jesus said, pray that my will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I want you to take your hand. If you have a bunch of problems throughout your whole body, just put your hand right on your forehead and we're going to pray and it's going to be a point of contact. You know, the Bible says that just the handkerchief of ap of uh, an aprons of Paul, when it was laid on the sick, the diseases left them and the spirits left them too. So if a handkerchief had the ability to do that, how much more shall you now, anointed of the Holy Ghost, and me agreeing with you in prayer, as you touch your forehead, if a handkerchief could do it, then your actual hand, as we come in agreement in faith, how much more dynamic do you suppose the power will be produced as we pray right now to, to remove every sign and trace of sickness and disease? So in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, from the top of your head, the crown of your head, to the soles of your feet. I curse every working of the devil. IBS, chronic fatigue, Parkinson's, degenerative disc, neuropathy, in Jesus' mighty name, diabetes, type 1, type 2. In the name of Jesus Christ, it flushes out of your body now. And the resurrection power of Christ goes in to repair, restore, and replace anything that needs to be anything that needs to be dealt with. In Jesus' name, amen. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji, or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.